My spidey sense is tingling. Hello and welcome to the show. He's the host that looks so GD good tonight, you'd swear he's aging in reverse. He's Dale underscore A, the host of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 189. Please do not adjust the settings on your podcasting app. I am uh, in charge of the show tonight because Jonesy said it, and Slim was so excited that he wouldn't have to do it one week. He just immediately complied. And I have those two here with me tonight. To my left, Jonesy loves beer, jawbone aficionado, uh, Centralia <laughs> expert. He's got the high temp shoes required to walk on the streets, the cracked, melting streets of Centralia, Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, trivia about my life. Uh, my wife learned to drive there in the cracked, burning, sulfuric streets of uh, Centralia, PA. Life trivia. <laughs> Life trivia in, during the intro of the uh, podcast, started by me, though admittedly, to my right, the normal host of the show and way better with the timing of the intro to this podcast, I realized I forgot to introduce the book club <laughs> that I picked. Uh, Slim, your favorite MC and mine. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. You know, we're experiencing a new path. Oh, you know, Dale's go. going through. I, you know, it just feels right having Dale host the show, passing the hosting baton from my faltering hand. It's a pleasure to be here for Shock Rockets. Uh, thank you for that, Slim. Um, I think it's all been expected, at least from Jonesy and Camp Jonesy and Camp Dale. It's only a matter of time before you're just uh, you're using uh, half double designs, crochet mannequin head to stand in for you with a Chicago Blackhawks hat on. Listen, it just you know. We're all going. We're all growing as people. We've become the last comics podcast standing. You know, maybe that's a sign. Maybe that's a sign. I just step down. I let you guys do your thing. Whatever you guys want. No. You want to take the paper keg name higher? That's no. fine. No. You know? It's like The Rock in the WWF. You know, he leaves. He comes back for WrestleMania for some big storylines to to pump the ratings up, and then he leaves. He goes back to wherever. Who knows? Um, don't listen to any of that. Slim's going nowhere because I am the leader of the show tonight and I, I have made it so. I was required to pick a book club that I would have introduced at the beginning of the show had I been someone else hosting this show. And you know what? I had a list. I had a lengthy, lengthy list what I could put uh, these guys through. I DM Jonesy right after Jonesy, you know, he removed the pipe from his mouth. And he <laughs> suggest he made the suggestion off air, and I DM'd him with my pick. Oh yeah, what, what it was going to be, but that's not what the book you chose. 
And Shockingly. I could not believe it because I had Dead to Rights. Can I say the uh, the title, Slim? Or you can say Dead it? to Rights on the show. That's allowed. Oh, so right, let's continue. Yeah. Black Sad was Slim's oh. pick. And I was so sure he was right. I would have paid him American money in a bet <laughs> that he was correct. I love accepting American currency. That is a fact <laughs> that everybody on this show is aware of. To be completely and fully honest, that was in my top five. But I went, I went with something that even I had not thought about initially when I played the Moby and Jonesy said, you know what, based on the two tweets we got live during the show, you can host next week because of the It was a moment. I mean, my heart stopped when you, you hit that perfect Moby. It was like the space between breaths. It just hit me so hard. I mean, we all know that you have it in you, and I just want you to know that yourself. Plus, if there's one thing that Gen Z does on this show better than anything, it's make rash decisions based on no data, (laughs) and he just wings it. He throws whatever he says at the wall and just prays it doesn't break anything. I mean, he's right, folks. I mean, no doubt about it. So once the uh, title dawned on me, something I've been uh, wanting to read for a long time— Gorilla Comics, Shock Rockets, Kurt Busiek, Stuart uh-huh. Immonen, from the year 2000 or so when uh, Kurt was in a, uh, a little group trying to get Gorilla Comics off the ground, something that was very ill-fated from the beginning. Not many titles saw much light of day from it, but at least Kurt was able to finish what he started I'll be, you know, maybe a little shorter than he wanted, but. Uh, I looked up the um, Wikipedia, big friend of the show, Wikipedia, support them if you can. Uh, the story behind that group is actually super fascinating. I think almost as interesting as the book itself. Did you look at the wiki at all for that for that group? Yeah, it was pretty amazing. The names involved were just unbelievable. E-Hero. Dot com boom was around that era. I think they, I guess this was like the first creator on stuff they did around that time. And they, ha- they haven't really done a whole lot since, but they, uh, they had this e hero.com was going to pay them money to make these comics. And then the money never really existed. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, because uh, Telos is the other one, I guess, is that Mark Wade or Empire? There was a couple mm-hmm. other titles that I remember hearing about growing up, but I never knew the story behind it. So it was fascinating. So that's what I picked for the the uh, book club book. I was also uh, may, required to hand out reading assignments to my other two co-hosts this evening. Um, spoilers, I did try to read along and read everything I did assign. I'm uh, on the fence on whether I've chosen wisely. <laughs> We're going to find out in this next segment of our show. The segment where we take what we've read in the past week, they could have been, uh, you know, what came out last Wednesday. They could have been what came out 20 years of Wednesdays ago because we just didn't have time to read something because we're fathers. We went to the car show today and then we didn't go home until 830 at night, you know, when we should have got home at five o'clock. But I come home, my car stinks of Chinatown, Philadelphia's (laughs) own. This is the most incredible segue I've ever been part of, just to have you know. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, 
and with that segue, Jonesy, I'm going to segue right to you. Jonesy loves beer. What did you read this week? You picked a book uh, that was low-hanging fruit for me. Went right to my uh, my likes column, and you checked them one by one. And you gave me Cluster, issue one, by Boom Studios. Now, listen to this premise, all right? A futuristic Earth where a war with alien races is somewhat commonplace. I mean, it's far away. It's on outlying planets uh, close to Alpha Centauri. We have like a a much better transportation system, and we kind of fend off uh, some hostile alien races. Uh, but Earth, or life on Earth, is still kind of similar to what it is now. It's not super futuristic, and you know, it's not you know people aren't in you know jumpsuits all the time and with strange hair. It's much like it is today. So a young um, socialite. You know, a debutante, if you will, in her early 20s, goes out uh, drunk driving and ends up uh, committing manslaughter, which uh, it gets her a life sentence. But the twist of this book is uh, if you have a life sentence, you can choose to fight in the uh, in the space wars and 15 years and you're out. Mm-hmm. It's equivalent to doing like three tours in the military to erase your criminal record. So this debutante... Uh, takes the 15 years and out military service. Uh, they're all sent to this military base that's kind of on the rim. It's, def- you know, like they have like power stations and the aliens are trying to uh, take down the power station. So this prison base is on that planet and they go out in groups. Uh, and each prisoner is kind of has this like 24 hour chip. So if they don't make it base once every 24 hours, they're just, they're toast. They die. It's something like uh, the chip activates their stomach acid and they get eaten alive from the inside out. It's very crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so she's on her first mission. Uh, she flies out. They are not trained soldiers, so they chase off the aliens, but that at the expense of the power station and their transport ship. So now it's a cast of four characters who are about 25 hours away from base. And that's the cliffhanger. They have, you know, that's, they're not going to make it. They're, they're an hour past their deadline to what's going to be before they melt from the inside out. And how is this girl going to survive? A lot of stuff thrown at you in the first issue, but it's really fun. It was a really fun comic book and a really great premise that, it kind of reminds me if what if Starship Troopers had gotten it right? It did, Gen Z. Yeah, I'm, Starship I'm, Troopers I'm sorry. Did, did you see the right. sequel? Did you see the sequel? Well, we're not talking about the sequel. We're talking about the first. All right. Uh, the f- I'm sorry. The Starship Trooper franchise mm-hmm. had gotten it right. Okay. There you first go. movie. We all love. Uh, what's his name? Uh, yes. What's his name? Casper Van Dien. Young star. 30-year-old varsity football player. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris in his finest role. I really liked the art in Cluster. I thought the whole the whole thing was really good. The art was... I, it reminded me of Adam Kubert slash mm-hmm. uh, Joe Kubert on Inks. There was just something about the style of art that just wrapped me up like a warm blanket. And then I fell asleep in his arms. Yeah, I really loved... I, I loved it, too. It was... Um, like Jonesy said, there's a lot thrown at you, but it's 
but it's done so naturally, like through dialogue and through kind of catch-up monologue where, you know, I know you're a debutante and you're not going to make it in here, princess. Like, that's how you find out she comes from, you know, the what sounds like the Hiltons. Well, I think she her dad's political in nature, but she's basically perceived as Kardashian. You know, Paris Hilt, a, a Paris Hilton or... Or a Kardashian, uh, Jenner, Jenner Kardashian, whatever. Yeah, sure um, prefer. But yeah, I liked. I the premise was really cool. You know, you could pick fifteen years in the service, and you know they're going to train you. But if one of their power stations is getting attacked within the first day of being there, and there's no time to train you, you still have to go out and fight. And they're not wasting volunteer soldiers on this kind of stuff. It's very. Uh, Avatarish when they once they land on the planet, and there uh, there sounds like two different races fighting over a, a planet that's not theirs. That's at least that's the vibe I got. But hmm. I'm curious to see what happens. You know what? You know, there's, it's not all puppy dogs and ice cream on the prison planet. Jen, no escape with Ray Liotta. <laughs> God, that was a bad. Movie. I love that movie. Are you kidding me right now? They got that right, right, Jonesy? They did get that right. What was my that? Heart. Uh... What was that one movie Kurt Russell had? Was that Soldier? That was around oh, yeah, the time Soldier. where I was working at West Coast Video that came out. <laughs> uh, where he's like the he's pre-programmed like super soldier. Mm-hmm. He's like uh, he had short white. hair. He's a, like he's like Blanca from Street Fighter <laughs> the movie. Uh, what were we saying, gosh. son? Jazzy, what did you think? Oh of? no, I was about to ask you. I thought that we had set books for lightning round and round table, but I was incorrect. No, we can oh, no, pick you could do, you could choose what you, whatever you yeah. want. I don't know which one I want to talk about. My my books from host with a boast, future host, <laughs> uh, was Imperium from Valiant and Black Vortex number one. Slim's from going Marvel. to get me nice and drunk at the next meetup. Get me nice and, and buttered drop, up. Drop a bomb. Drop a bomb. Just rub my shoulders and just you know try to talk me into hosting. Try yeah. to get me to volunteer. Right. Speaking of meetup, we have to work. We have there's a lot of plans in motion oh, right now. Yeah, there is a lot of plans. There's a lot of social media buzz around a meetup. Meetup generally, our plan is just for Jonesy, myself, and Dale to get together and just get s faced. Mm-hmm. And if anyone else wants to show up, that's great. So yeah, if that sounds usually, enticing to you, then you're in. Yeah. If, if you, in fact, you want to come and buy us those beverages, I mean, we all have children. Have we hit? So this would be our fourth meetup. Does that have all? Have has every host had a blackout event so far? I have not. Yeah, so it's your turn. No, okay. I am not. I'm, I'm tapping the brakes. On Jonesy's my blackout, blackout event blackout. sponsored by Haynes Tea. Everyone, <laughs> stay tuned for that. I can say, unless it's because we're in Fishtown, there's no way Jonesy's blanking out in nope. Fishtown. He will never, not trust I, anybody I will not else to get my him faculties. home. There has never been a more dangerous city. No. Than Center City in America center, to Gen rich, Z. Rich, gentrified Center City, Philadelphia. Any- <laughs> oh my God! It, there's there's no higher murder rate than this than this than the most populated, gorgeous city of Philadelphia. We need to get into my books. I don't know. Should I talk about Imperium or Black Vortex? Maybe I'll Black go Vortex. Black Vortex. Okay. Black Vortex is a crossover Marvel Comics event. Mm, I say event sparingly. I don't really know if that's actually true. It's just kind of a publicized mini crossover between the Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, the 
I'm not trying. I'm not sure what team name this X Men is. Maybe it's all new X Men with the young kids and the Kitty Pride and all them. Storm and her amazing mohawk. In it, some sometime in the past, maybe billions of years ago, this civilization on this planet Viscardi, lovingly named after James Viscardi, um, oh. formerly of Marvel of ComicBook.com, they have this celestial. And if you don't know what a celestial is, it's like this big, essentially it's like this large god or robot that just watches over this planet or this area ominously. So this, they try to make these offerings to the celestial on this planet, and they try to go into space, but they can't for whatever reason. So this one girl is very upset, and she starts yelling at this big ominous being on her planet. And then this object appears called the Black Vortex. It looks like a... Um, circus mirror or like funhouse mirror but into some kind of other dimension you like see yourself but i'm not sure if it's yourself in the future or yourself evil can't really tell yet so this black vortex turns up in our present day and the x-men and the guardians need to figure out what to do with it and how to stop it from getting in the hands of star lord's father who has probably one of the lamest names i've ever heard Mr. Knife. That's his, oh, that's his is that really name. his name? That was like this guise that he went under. Mr. Knife. Oh, man. <laughs> I didn't get that at all. Disclaimer, I'm not reading Guardians of the Galaxy, so I don't know what really is happening there, but Carol Danvers is on the Guardians, and so is Venom, which I'm okay with because I kind of like Flash Thompson Venom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But So his father is like a villain. Uh, Star-Lord's father is a bad guy in this storyline for whatever reason. And he's buddies with Thane, Thanos' son. So they're forming this kind of cabal, and, and that's the story. It, it was really strange because Ed McGuinness drew the majority of the issue, and then Chris Anka drew the present-day stuff. But the coloring was really odd on Chris Anka's stuff, and I didn't really like it that much. I don't know if it was like... I have no idea if this is true, but it just felt like Chris Anka's stuff was thrown in there because I've seen Chris Anka's stuff and it's really good on uncanny x-men but this wasn't yeah. like uncanny x-men chris anka for whatever reason but it was, it was okay it felt like a really small event mm-hmm. like i didn't know i don't think it really deserves the big like black vortex branding but it looks like it's like a 10-part event judging by the checklist i so think was, word on the street is i think black vortex may only exist for the first issue and the last issue and then it's going to go back into their titles yeah i think which is kind of a bum. I, ha- I think I'm one Guardians of the Galaxy behind, but unless they wrap up their, the current Venom storyline, which they may have, I haven't read it, but it seems like there was more of that to to go with before they get into something else. But uh, yeah. that wrap up issue is really good, really, really good with the uh, the Venom stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're caught up. Yeah, I just I just oh, okay. read the latest issue. That's good. Oh, okay, cool. So they do wrap it up. Okay. I didn't even know you were reading Guardians of the Galaxy Monthly Jones. You've never even talked about it on the show. Uh, you know, I sometimes feel that I speak about Marvel too much and that I may be being shamed for, you know, reading titles so like that was a pre, pre-shame decision that you make every week. It was. It's, <laughs> it's an anxiety trigger for me. You have no idea. So I don't, I don't I'm actually, I don't think I'm going to continue reading Black Vortex. It's just not, Guardians isn't my bag really and it didn't really blow me away. It, it, I don't know. It's just I don't know. I'm not sure if it's for me. 
It, it feels like it might be up your alley, Dale, mm, but okay. not not mine necessarily. I'll check it out, but guess what? I do believe it was a $5 book. <gasps> I mean, I'll just catch... I mean, I read both of the individual titles anyway, so I'll just catch it there, I mm-hmm. suppose. That's where it's headed. Um, Look out. Yeah, the Guardi- Guardians is really good run. The beginning issues of Guardians wasn't that good. The t- stuff with Tony Stark, I get why they did it. But now it's now it's holding its own definitely, and and Venom is a cool part, hmm. cool addition to the team. Yeah, I, I kind of lost me when Angela became part of the team. I don't I don't find her a compelling character at all. But when it got to Flash Thompson, you know, being a member of the team, I jumped back on. And Did the we... origin of the symbiote is really cool. Hmm. Do you know that? Do we talk about Angela is Thor's sister? Do we talk about that before? Yeah, from the tenth realm. Did we, did we talk about that? I don't know. On, on air? <laughs> Maybe Jonesy just vomed off air. And that was, yeah, I, that I was, totally was discussing did. it. <laughs> I, uh, going, bringing this back around to me, Always. host of the show goes last uh, this time. I went and tried to um, give something another chance. Okay. I decided that maybe what I read before, you know, just... I took it at what it was, and I didn't like it, but I was ready for more. I and even thought, even said that during the book club of this, I read. What are you talking about? Stray Bullets number fifty. What? Sunshine and Roses number what? one. If you want to get into what? that. Wow. Yeah, I said. You know what? I, and like I said before on the book club, I don't doubt that it's really, really great. It just was this. The material just wasn't kind of up my alley, at least not at the time. And Stray Bullets number 50 is a story called uh, Kretschmeyer. And it's a uh, jumping on point because they they are titling it Sunshine and Roses number one. Sounds kind of like a Baltimore Hellboy kind of thing that maybe Lapham's trying. Mm. And is about... There's this quite a, quite a few of this... Same cast of characters seems to be in it. The dude with the Hawaiian shirt, especially, that I remember from the first volume of Stray Bullets. I don't remember what his story is. But you get thrown into this story of this character named Kretschmeyer who kind of happens to bump into this girl and he befriends her. And it turns out that he is sort of like a uh, gangster from a strange land, he came in in uh, Memphis. He stole a purse from some tourist. He t- he tells the story as, and there was like a bag of cocaine and a and a list of names in Baltimore. So he shows up in Baltimore and he tries to get what he can about these gangsters. And he knows that this girl happens to know them all, and then he kind of falls for her. All the while, he's like taking taking some of these gangsters out, and uh, it was it was a really good story. I really liked it. Whoa! It was kind of confusing. I'm I'm gonna say that is a jumping on point. That's tough. It's tough to say that because I just don't know enough about the characters, and I know some of these characters I've seen from the first volume of Stray Bullets, but. I didn't hate it like I hated the first Did, volume, whether it was my mindset or I was, was there, just ready for... Was there not a lot of, like, 
badass happening to good people or badass happening to bad people that would maybe sway that decision you know what that's actually that's a really good point slim because maybe that's what it was it was it was all like kind of grimy people hurting grimy people Hmm. and maybe that's why it was a little more okay with me because you i did forget why i didn't like it but you just reminded me that there was a lot of bad stuff happening to good people in that first volume yeah oh yeah a lot and that kept up in volume two and three and four. If you're, in, if you're into reading about bad things happening to people, boy, are you in for a treat. But, but man, he, I think he always, he tweeted, he tweeted about like really depressing, like the reorder numbers for mm-hmm. this series. Like no one is ordering it or like not enough. I actually, I think Stray Bullets is artistically a high standard for comic making. And I don't think it fits into a lot of... It's like noir. It's it's a weird genre for comics, I think, for successful mainstream comics. And I don't I don't know how to yeah. how to get more people to read that because you have you, it's a different book to read. Like you yeah. read volume one and two, and you're going to just feel like gross about people. And mm-hmm. you can It's hard to make that into a mainstream comic. Yeah, you're absolutely right because it's and and I read it because of his tweeting about that. I mean at poop office tweeted and said you know at why isn't every stray day of stray bullets is released that declared a national holiday like, there's people <laughs> people behind this comic i think charles forceman is a huge fan and mm-hmm. he was uh, you know talking about it and i was like i'm gonna read this i'm gonna support it like i i know stray bullets is good for a reason you know what i mean it may not be my thing but i'm like i'm gonna support this book this week and i'm gonna buy it and and i read it and i and i really enjoyed it but you're right where it's like 1970s, 1980s Baltimore. Like it's not the fade out where there's this cr- crime happening on a movie set in the 20s. Or, yeah, plus I, it's, it's black and white too. Yeah, it's like super niche. I think it's a, it, I, I would compare Stray Bullets to like a film or an art house film to a movie. Like I think some people wow. see that as a distinction, but I, that totally is up that alley, I think. And that's why it's not on everyone's radar. Yeah, it, it's and it probably it's just probably tough to find an audience because it's so real. But and there's not so much of the fantastic setting to it or anything. It's just like real grit, mm-hmm. and grime. But I read it and I'm recommending it. Great day in America, so. Jonesy. We have, we've reached the lightning round. Twenty seven minutes into this podcast. Feeling good. So, Feeling real good right now. Rat God, <laughs> issue number one. I have never been so entertained by a book where I'm pretty sure I only understood 8% of the plot. Give it a try. I dare you. Imperium, number one, from Valiant... Probably one of the strangest first issues I can remember in a comic book. I don't even know what the series really will be after this first issue. Lightning leader of the show, agree. (laughs) Exo Man of War, number 33. Uh, 
explained as another jumping on point to a title that I have uh, not read an issue to yet. Focuses a lot on his past and some in the present. I'm definitely willing to check out more after issue number 33. Lightning, we need to talk about Imperium and the Fireside. Lightning, this is what will be. <laughs> as the leader of the show. Um, Jonesy and Slim, are you in a book club? We are. We are. <laughs> Why don't you read along with us? So, uh, Shock Rockets. And um, I'm not going to try to summarize the book because even though I'm hosting this train, I will derail it with me attempting to synopsize any book. So, Jonesy, please. That's your job. You know, I didn't plan a synopsis this week. (laughs) So let me just off the cuff like I plan one any week. Uh, Shock Rockets. Picture in your mind's eye a mature-ish version of the Voltron Force. Uh, Only it takes place on Earth in the uh, near future. It's the story of five or six, depending on the issue, crack pilots who have mental slash spiritual bonds with the ships that they fly. And they are tasked with defending like the planetary government if you will like the singular government against an a colonel who has betrayed the human race in the last um, war with an alien incursion so this volume really focuses on the newest member of the shock rockets who are of course the team of uh, fighters uh, Cruz, uh, he basically is a Anakin Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, technical genius who can bullseye womp rats, uh, you know, in a speeder. Uh, he ends up porting into a battle area where the shock rockets are dogfighting some of Colonel Corda's forces. Uh, the Stinger, which is his will be his ship crashes where the pilot dies and he kind of like hops in to save the day and ends up bonding with the ship. And this volume is all about the struggle for Cruz to fit in in a place where he didn't technically belong, but now he is a core member of as well as the backstory world building of how the shock rockets came to be what, you know, what is so special about this technology? And it ends with both the answer to big questions and Cruz coming of age as a adult commando with this special ability. Jock Rockets. Yeah, so that's what it is. It made it six issues. I don't know if I definitely wasn't six months in a row. I don't know when Kurt was able to finish or when it stopped in the middle or maybe it did finish but and but Kurt and Stuart had to I guess finance everything to to let it see the light of day as mm. a whole um very for me very uh Gundam wing 
where, you know, specific pilots get specific ships and it's theirs and they have names. A um, couple other mentions in the uh, letters segment mention, you know, other influences. But for me, it was uh, very Gundam Wing-ish, um, very kind of... In the beginning, it felt, I think, like... It felt more fleshed out the more you went along. Like, like almost felt like Kurt was able to finally make sense of his idea like starting in issue three or four. And I think maybe, I mean, that's probably the way he planned it. He's, he's amazing. And he's, he was doing comics for 15 years, 17 years before this, but, um, but did you enjoy it? Yes, I did. I loved it. I loved it. It, it was, uh, it's very entertaining book. It wasn't anything too crazy or heavy. It was what a comic book, uh, the definition of a comic book could be at when someone thinks of that. But with a little more story to it, a little more meat, where, you know, these pilots are bonded with their ships and they ha- the ships have names. I, I love that aspect of the book. Love the art. Stuart. And the sucker. Can't beat the... I mean, the splash pages from Stuart and Eminem. My heavens. Mm-hmm. My dear, sweet heavens. I don't understand how that guy isn't doing I mean maybe he just rightfully commands top dollar for Marvel comics but I feel like if he gets on some kind of creator owned saga-ish book the guy's going to be a millionaire. Oh boy, can you imagine? I want Stuart Eminem to do the art of my life. <laughs> I can, and with with that, I mean Saga comes out what maybe 10 10 months out of the year yeah, because nine, they take mm-hmm. those those breaks. Stuart Come on, man. Let's do this together. I will be. We'll write point it for man. you. Call maybe it. I think he maybe he has to do something with like film stuff. I have a feeling he does like movie designs. Or oh. this guy's like way talented. Story I was I always feel stuff. like not to slight comics, but I feel like he's so talented that he could be doing movie stuff or just designing costumes, making who knows what. Mm-hmm. But Billions, the, I gather. The according um, to my math, at Nimidity, my dear wife read this, and her takeaway was she felt like it was a little too, I don't want to put words in her mouth, but maybe cookie cutter, no real peril for the characters. Like, mm-hmm. you, And I think that was almost as intended. Like the world that Kurt wanted to write was this kind of futuristic dreamer uh, universe. And it, you saw that in the first issue, which was kind of like a trailer for the series where this like Luke Skywalker kid you know, wanted something Dressed more. Dressed as uh, Han Solo in the first issue. I don't know Absolutely. There was that. The, I, which I thought was a great first issue. And I think the thing that made me angry, shockingly, about this book was just how well Kurt Busiek writes. And the mm-hmm. idea, like, it's just, like, simple stuff. Each issue had narration from a different character. The entire oh, yes. issue. I thought oh, that was yeah. amazing. And that's, like, such a, like, a small, and maybe it's a huge thing to writers, but... He just did it in every issue, and it was perfect. Like, what other writer is thinking of that, mm-hmm. writing a monthly comic book? I don't think there are any. Staggering how that was. And it was just, like, random, like, the mechanic narrates an issue. That was my favorite issue. Uh, yeah, I think way. it was mine, too. But, you know, so, so the mechanic to us is, <laughs> the, is <laughs> the best. <laughs> but but it, was, it was absolutely great. Mm-hmm. And it was. It was the little touches like that. And there was little touches like... Things that would be like one-offs in many books about how they explained, like the fact that it was kind of brought up but explained that the 
They don't understand a whole lot about the technology that powers the shock rockets because it's alien. It's almost like in any other book, that's um, the freedom to just write the shock rockets how you want. Like they're just amazing at, at aerial maneuvers and stuff like that. But then he actually gets into the fact that there is more to the shock rocket interface and cruises the guy to figure that out, mm-hmm. which I thought was great because I was just like, okay, yeah, it's an unexplained alien technology that powers the ships. Fine. Whatever makes them better than every other plane in the world. That's how, that's why I figured that was even brought up to begin with. But that was like a huge story. That was huge to the end of the story. I mean, that was the climax. The When Cruz figures out that the link is not between pilot and shot rock, uh, shock rocket, but all of them, they're all in a pool together like a hive mm-hmm. mind. The, the issue before, they switch shock rockets, but they're still super talented. And that leads Cruz to the... Uh, uh, what do you call it? The perception Gordon. that mm-hmm. they all are in a pool together and he's able to go into the enemy new shock mm-hmm. rockets and take over their vessels because he understands that link. And that was kind of in the first two issues that is, that doesn't even matter to any of the driving plot. So mm-hmm. I thought it was hilarious that this book reminded me of uh, world police team America in like the first <laughs> three issues you know, the female character loses her lover, and then there's a, a new guy taking his place. And, <laughs> and, I mean, they even had similar jobs, really. They swoop in, taking care of terrorist threats that no one else could deal with. I thought that was really strange. But the the one other issue, you know, each issue has a character, not a different character, because I think What's-His-Face does two or three. But each issue has a character telling a story. And that one Asian guy with the long hair, Shin. his story was issue three. Yeah. He meets up with an ex and they, you know, they had a wild, wild youth, wild youth. And he, mm-hmm. and they try to get back into a little bit. And she reveals that she's part of this underground, you know, weapons ring or what, what have you. And then that was all part of a master plan of his to, to infiltrate and, and take it out. And I thought it was amazing. And then he ends up, you know, doing that thing at the end of that issue I was like, whoa, this, you just explained this character, you oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in one issue more than probably most people could do in 30 in a month. title. imagine Kurt Busiek writing episodic television? Kurt, call me Kurt. I've got <laughs> ideas. Here's that Jonesy uh, throwing stuff at the wall. See what, see what happens. <laughs> let, me, let me pitch it. Yeah. Come <laughs> based, on. Based on no data. <laughs> but I thought those issues were great. It just makes me like uh, irrationally angry that Kurt Busiek can do this. And it's, there just aren't others that can also do this. Like, be like Kurt. He needs yeah. to wear a shirt that says that because he has the, the wherewithal to back it up. Be like Kurt. Read Astro City monthly. Support oh, that Astro book. Astro City. And buy everything back issues related to Astro City. Just do it. All right? Just do it. <laughs> yeah, it's very... I mean, if you if folks out there like the you know Pacific Rim, it's a very Pacific Rim-y kind of vibe mm-hmm. with the, you know, how they... They're all like training in the same place, but they have their own attitudes and there's, there's tension between the pilots and they, you know, they treat their craft like baby, like it's their baby yeah. and Pacific Rim, Gundam Wing, Voltron, uh, um, Team America, Strike World Force, Moratori, I believe is dropped in the letter segment. Oh gosh. Really? Um, I didn't see that letter. That, that yeah. book, that book is ripe 
for for reboot in present day. Just just reprint those old issues. I still can't get my hands on like second trade or third trade of it that has been released digitally yet. Hmm. So good. Is Jonesy frozen? Do you think? I'm right here. <laughs> oh. Can you hear me? I'm sorry. You were frozen. Like you were looked like you were doing a Christina Aguilera solo. You were. You were grasping the mic with your eyes closed for so long on my screen. Well, I mean, before the show, Jonesy just stopped talking to us for about ten minutes. And was Not just, true. And was Not just true. Yeah, you just, guys were you guys were on a tangent, reading something sadly. You, you were just. Us. He was probably trying to figure out how he'd explained his hatred for shock rockets. But, <laughs> but I it, think we so all know good. that Kerpusic can do no wrong. So I don't think anybody came to the table thinking they weren't going to enjoy shock mm. rockets. I'm so very happy that it was good, <laughs> and you guys liked it on top of that. Did we read Superstar for Paper Keg? Did one no. of us read it? It sounded familiar. I think maybe I read it. But that Superstar was another, uh, was, was other it book Gorilla, was it Gorilla Comics or Gorilla Press, Gorilla something? Gorilla was Comics. The, this imprint that, um, was it Mark Wade, Barry Kitson, Stuart, uh, Kurt, and Mike Waringo? We're all part. So, like, this huge group of creators doing creator-owned comics. And Superstar was another one that Stuart and Busick did. But only one issue ever came out. And that was that was that same kind of, you know, fun universe. But I think it only made it one issue. It was like an oversized one-shot, I guess. But it's weird. Like, um, you, you read about this book, and it's like this weird part of comic history. You're like, oh, well, what was this miniseries that these two you know, legendary creators did. Why didn't it last longer? And then you like eventually dig into the weird backstory and you find out why it's very bizarre that yeah, it's just it like this, this, you know, snapshot of time that only six issues ever came out. I listened to, I originally heard from this. I had no idea about it. And I listened to a podcast that Kurt was on a couple months ago, um, with Greg Shegel was the host and he interviewed Kurt. I forget, I forget what the, name of the podcast was but then it talked about shock rockets and guerrilla comics and i was just like i gotta know more about this travesty and comicdom with all these names attached to this imprint that they tried launching with ehero.com did he yeah <laughs> I, I, the wiki said that like kurt had to like put, you know use the, the equity on his house to finish paying for the rest of the series and the oh. they, they, they took out like all these weird expensive not weird but like big launching ads in, in wizard, you know, to pump up the launch yeah. of this line. And then on. I mean, when they started like making the comics, they realized they didn't have any money that they were anticipating to, you know, have Stuart Eminem take six months off from doing comics to do this. Uh, what a risk that must've been for him and for all those other artists really, because mm-hmm. Mark Wade could probably write a couple Marvel or DC books at the time and still not freak out. Crimson plague was launched by George Perez. Empire by Mark Wade and Barry Kitson, which I, when we, it was either last Baltimore or the Baltimore before that Jonesy and I went to, Barry Kitson was there and his pages were incredible. The pages he was selling, mm. holy moly. Baltimore Comic Con. September 25th. 25th to 27th. 27th. Not that I made a calendar invite. <laughs> not today. that I text my boss and made sure I got that Friday off as a discretionary day. Not that I sent a uh, slim a text message this weekend and said can you please forward that invite to my wife as well so it's not just doesn't look like i'm uh some kind of that was like a passive aggressive you need to tell my wife that this is happening because <laughs> yes she's exactly. not hearing it from me because if i just create the invite and it's just an event between me and her 
she'll just you know she'll plan everything that weekend like uh, like totally ignoring me remember how hot it was when we were there too it was like night it was like 102 degrees every day walking to that comic convention I remember I went for a run the one morning. I almost died. It was so hot because <laughs> there was no there's no water fountains on the boardwalk or whatever the bay is in Baltimore. I had to go buy like a three dollar oh. bottle of water. For yeah, that's how they get you. I remember I went for a run on the uh, the treadmill elliptical in the gym of that hotel, and there was no water to be found. I was <laughs> dying. I was dying. My lips chapped. Getting they're like getting caught on my teeth as I'm looking outside. My lips are like getting hung up on my teeth. Awful. And now, your letters read live to tape. Thank you, Simon Vance of Bookjug fame. <laughs> as if Bookjug is the only thing he's famous for. He just came out into right. your basement to say that, and then he just went right back up the stairs to say goodbye. He's watching a Vampire Diaries with my wife. <laughs> Uh, so we got some letters, Josie. You want to? Oh uh, uh, yeah, I'm up? sorry. I, I <laughs> he's frazzled I, right now. I am. I'm, I'm absolutely frazzled. First letter comes to us from um, our our newest friend, uh, Gary. He writes uh, in regards to Sandman Volume Two, uh, one Morpheus's attitude. Just a bit of foreshadowing, but Morpheus not dealing with Jed and Lita Trevor in a nice way will be his eventual undoing. Hmm. The format is interesting because this will be the standard format of a lot of DC's comics during the 90s. Seven issues of story put into a trade with two stories that act as non-sequiturs to the main story but build on character. Garth Ennis Punisher and Hitman, James Robinson's Starman, Grant Morrison's Justice League, and Invisibles all roughly hit those marks of a five-parter with two floating issues. To the point where you realize that the end of the trade volumes folded nicely into the event book for that year. This particular trade becomes the format for all of these trades. Before Salmon Volume 2, you only had uh, this format for trades like The Dark Knight Returns, Watchmen, and Marvel's Daredevil because of Frank Miller at any local bookstore. Salmon Volume 2 was heavily pushed in bookstores and made Gaiman a household name because you could get the book trades at any bookstore. That's why you had the extended introduction that basically told you the events of Volume 1 because if this experiment didn't work, you'd at least have a full book trade that could be sold at bookstores. I didn't know that. Salmon was one of those flagship titles. You could get it like a Barnes & Noble's or a, mm-hmm. a Borders books. That's crazy. Uh, as far B. Dalton as, books. B. Dalton. Three, Probably. as far as one-offs are concerned, Guyman's next five issues of Volume 3 are all about one-off stories. He was also writing Miracle Man at this time, and if you pick up Guyman's issues, you get a lot of nice one-off stories that will be worth looking at a later date in contrast to Sandman of Volume 3. Thanks for the show, Gary. Thanks for the info, Gary. That's I didn't. Uh, that's a nice chunk of trivia about Amazing. his uh, books. Amazing letter. I was so I was like happy and then sad to read that. I think right after we recorded Sandman or the episode before last. I don't even know when we did Sandman. Who knows? But I wanted to have that on the show. It was last week. <laughs> Whoops. It was last but week, Slim. The, uh, the information he threw in there almost make me want to go back to read Volume 3. He said the, the rest of the series, it, yeah. or like his undoing is related to one of my biggest beefs that he didn't give a rat's A about that kid that had been in captivity for so many years. And also the Which one-off is issue stuff. Yeah. It was cool that Gary, I mean, thank you, Gary, for including that. It was 
and that history lesson was awesome as well. Like yeah. to think because we even brought it up on the show, like writing this is writing for the trade, but nobody was writing for the trade at the time. We still and haven't even better. heard from at the movie freak because apparently this is the volume two is his favorite comic book of all time and he said he would unsubscribe if he didn't like what we said yeah. and we haven't heard from him since so it's been uh, fun. I mean I we miss you. It's it's been we miss you the most. Nice time that movie freak he's probably threw himself down the basement stairs into the fruit cellar <laughs> and has been packed his down Twitter there bags like Jed letting the rat chew his cheeks. <laughs> like he just couldn't take it. <laughs> um, next letter comes from a friend of the show Don Garvey, former podcast uh, show host himself. Now retired. Indeed. Now retired, yeah. Busy. He's busy. Indeed, Mike and I made our internet audio debut on Paper Keg 49, Hmm. and I think we all agree it's one of your best episodes ever. Dale's early guest appearances on Echo Rift stood for a long time as our most downloaded episodes, and that Man of Steel episode, oh boy. Ours, not yours. Though yours was pretty good, too. I remember laying in bed in the car- dark, cackling out loud as Dale and Slim smashed Jonesy's heart. And I'm the Jonesy Loves Beer fan club guy. <laughs> We're also honored to host the unofficial podcast biography of Slim, along with having the final word on the idiocy of Minority Report science fiction. You were gracious in your defeat, Slim. We've trademarked the title, The At Jonesy Loves Beer Show, so we'll be all ready to take those royalties at some point. An episode, I might add, that is frequently referred to as the strangest 45 minutes in podcast history. I don't know why anybody wanted to interview me. Jeez. Even I bore myself. We still get threats from Radiolab. <laughs> Finally, from what I hear, there's a bet on how long it'll be before I return to the cyber airwaves. As I dry my son's tears, I'm just wondering if the not-ended-and-now-weekly Kids on Comics podcast counts as part of that bet. Thanks for all the kind words. Rest in peace, ancillary characters. Don. Yeah. They had a good run, the AC podcast. They did. Look at Don weaseling in, memories, Don weaseling in a plug for his other podcast. The hey, Architect. That's <laughs> fine. He, it's Kids on Comics. It's, it's a beautiful show. Uh, Don does with his son, Jim, and they talk about... Uh, you know, comics that they read mm-hmm. that week. They just did um, Usagi Ujimbo, so it's worth a listen. Yeah, the, the Garkitect cannot stay away keeping his thoughts on movies, books, you name movies. it. Pop I culture. Will, I'll stand by my date, my internal date of the return of the Garkitect. <laughs> Next letter comes to us from fan favorite friend. Of the Paper Cake Podcast. Uh, she titles her email, Hashtag Dream Team. That's right. She writes, How is there a Busick Eminent fighter pilot book just lying around out there in the world and people aren't talking about it every day? Sure, it's sort of derivative and some elements are downright goofy. And that last panel of issue four, when Quarter referred to himself as a third person, you know, so we definitely, without a doubt, understand the plot twist. <laughs> when who else would a scraggly-looking mean dude with a freaking face scar be? Hmm. I definitely cringed a little. And Cruz was a total New Hope Luke for the first 80% of the book. Why is everyone so mean to me? Training is hard. But D, who can hate on something that's basically Top Gun meets Strike Force Moratory combined with Pacific Rim? 
And seriously, what do we ever do to deserve Eminem's art? I literally screenshot every title splash page because, are you kidding me with this? How long did this take him? That's all. I just wanted to gush about cool futuristic fighter ships and, ex- and exploding stuff. P.S. Dale, uh, I really am pulling for you. You've totally got this, and I'm sorry I mocked you on the Twitter. Uh, <laughs> hugs and kisses, Bex Gordo. She's got your back, bro. Uh, yeah, thanks, Bex. Uh, thanks for the rooting for me. It's fine. Um, I almost I'm forgot that. I'm oh, sorry. I was. I was. We didn't even mention Secret Identity during that entire. I book can't club. believe we didn't. I think we're due to do it again. Inarguably, Gen Z, hold on, Gen Z, just cool your pantalones. Okay. Inarguably, the greatest Superman story ever told. Uh, lightning agree. All Star Superman. You just throw that piece of s in the heap, in the garbage I mean, heap. Secret Identity was the Superman movie we all deserved and never got. <laughs> that would confuse millions of people if that were the Superman oh, yeah. movie. You know what I think? Birthright is the movie you're thinking of. No. No, no. I'm thinking of Secret Identity. <laughs> right. You just want to do it to S with everybody. Yeah. You know. Just Breaking saying, news. On, movie, on studio goes, movie studio goes out of business due to <laughs> paying for Chris Jones's Secret Identity script. <laughs> Uh, and uh, the next letter comes from um, King of the Letter Writers himself. Triumphant return with more than you know a couple words he'd just throw in to remind us that he was there. God bless him. Hey, you peeps. Read an article over on Blaster today with a no E like Tumblr, but Blaster. Talking about how both DC and Marvel are rebooting again this year. You think this is going to be what they do every few years just for... Uh, jits and shiggles Uh, gits and shiggles can't say I'm excited for reboots for more reboots but Odin knows I'll read it anyway I realized something the other day you can't spell Dale without ale makes so much sense I was going to listen to the Halo app today but I think I'll put it off till later until next time keggers (laughs) at uh, from uh, at staff fro on the Twitter PS the trailer for that Netflix daredevil show D that looks good. And he actually put the D because he knows what's up. I was actually thinking it's really weird how Marvel and DC's events almost a lot of the times they align. Like convergence is happening with Secret War. It's like essentially the same storyline. Villains United, you know, mm-hmm. happen around the same time as where what was the one that came at the same time? Was that Age of Ultron? Where like they go back in time? I think Flashpoint was at the same time. It's really strange. Oh yeah, was was it uh, Flashpoint and Age, yeah, Age of Ultron? Yeah, it's um, you know that's what, and it's weird because that stuff is in development for so long. They got someone on the inside. They got somebody on the inside. It's the only maybe uh, what's his name? Striker is living down there with Cordo. Sable. <laughs> Sable. Striker. Oh, Sable. we didn't even talk about the Sable. I thought that was kind of a weird uh, story thread. The Sable character. This mystery man, and then he shows up looking like Ravage twenty ninety nine at the end. Oh yeah, it was it was totally messed up his face. He was there. He's like, oh yeah, Sable's been there for the whole time. We knew he's been feeding us information. He was like the Snake Eyes. We just didn't tell you, Joe team. Yeah, but then like the characters acted shocked that Sable was real, whereas the previous four issues they've been talking about Sable like every issue. Like 
the you know, time for being they shocked really is have. over. <laughs> yeah, but the previous like, oh, everybody sees that. Sable. He got he got me a cup of coffee this morning. <laughs> oh yeah, he's totally real. I don't think they believe Sable was alive at the first four issues. They talked to him in the past tense. Guy needs a shower. Bottom like, line, Sa- he looked like the Toxic Avenger. He's been living in. <laughs> he's been living in an unprotected radiated wasteland. He didn't. He couldn't go to court as people and say, "Have a mask like you're wearing." How was how was he communicating? <laughs> I mean, too many questions Speaking, about. He was Sable. hiding. Look, everybody hides in steam vents in this world. <laughs> Everybody gets needs. That's their alone time. Yeah. It's before they had uh, cams, like Big Brother cams, where they could just go in the confessional booth. Right. One of the greatest shows of all time. Steam vents. You know what I started watching, before I asked Jonesy about the Daredevil trailer, I started At watching Tough Enough. The size of a human can fit in. Steam vents. <laughs> I started re-watching Tough Enough uh, from the WWE Network. Remember that show where oh, they, they did the reality show where the rest, people want to be wrestlers? Yes, I do remember no, that. No, that sounds amazing. What, Why what did they stop that? Uh, I think it only lasted one season. Hmm. There were rumors they were going to come back this year, but then they like ran out of money, so they didn't do it. Huh. Not enough subscribers on the uh, on the WWE network. WWE app. Jonesy, what did you think of that Daredevil trailer? I think we're finally going to get a good Daredevil story. I, I just I, pic- it's, uh, I, I just pictured you you know putting both feet up, putting the body glide right next to yourself, and hitting play on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I had, I had uh, Dion. <laughs> yeah. Desiree. Desiree. <laughs> it I mean no but there should be no doubt that that is going to be fantastic program. It looks amazing. The trailer I, made that look amazing. It makes it looks a billion times better than Ant-Man does. I I, know, I almost right? absolutely right after I got done watching the trailer I pulled up Comicsology and I nearly bought the uh, the Frank Miller Man without fear. It was like mm. nine dollars, I think. I didn't mm. because I thought about uh, feeding the kids hardcover that might exist out there. But I wanted to. I was. I almost read that for the show. But I was like, we could probably get a book club out of this. Oh yeah, because I was ready to read it. Throw it on that dock, babe. You we go need do to put it that right on now. the dock, babe. When that gonna premieres, do, babe. I'm and, do uh, that, babe. Whoever they got to play Stick, I can't remember who it is, but I think Samuel Jackson. No, 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 no. stop. The uh, Mark Singer, the Beastmaster. God, oh, I wish. I wish it was Mark Singer. Dar, the Beastmaster. And Beastmaster 2, Through the Portal of Time. My, Some my, of my favorite films. amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe the, the sub subtitle. You just pulled that up. I love it. I feel like the... I, I love that it's going to be on Netflix and all of them will be available at the same time. But I feel like that's a drawback, too, for the culture that we have of everyone watching at 8 p.m. Yeah. on X night. Yeah. And where you can anticipate the next episode. And you have like a news cycle almost with that stuff. And you lose that when like eight episodes show up on Netflix. I, don't I know. will single-handedly perpetuate that news cycle every day. Jonesy, if, what I, are you, if I have to live tweet, I'll do it. Jonesy, what are you going to do? Are you taking the day off? Are you just refusing to go to sleep until it's all out of the way? You know, I think um, coincidentally, uh, by no fault of Netflix or myself that I... Happen to be off from work that week. Oh, what so, day is that premiere? April tenth. April tenth. Yeah, that's the weekend we go. Uh, Dale and I have a a lovers trip to New York plan that weekend. So really, mm-hmm. I was gonna say, you know, if we had the free day, we could all just sit together, watch Daredevil on Netflix. Uh, 
It's happening. It's ha- oh my god! Jensen <laughs> just squeezed a bottle of body glide and shot across the room. He just cracked the sh- the plastic shell around the body glide with his thigh muscles. Fuck. <laughs> Uh, was that movie Flashdance where she's sitting on the chair and she pulls and the water? The, wa- yeah. the water. And uh, episode one hundred eighty-nine. I am your host at Dale underscore A on the Twitter. Oh wait, do we want to say what the next uh, next book club is too? Absolutely. Oh, listen to that. Get Get to it. Next week, one of the biggest books of all time. Miracle Man is happening. By the original writer himself. Whoever that is. Alan Moore. That I does not know, but legally we, we can't say that. Until next week in four days. <laughs> We had some lightning, uh, you know, loose ends. Lightning loose ends we had to tie up. LLE, Imperium number one. I read, I almost texted you and said, you can pick whatever you want and not do Imperium. <laughs> I read three quarters of it, but I, just so happens I couldn't finish it because I think my kids needed me or whatever at the time, but mm-hmm. I didn't go back to it. Really, really strange. Like I want to say like ballsy to do a first issue like that. Yeah, it was. So, Jonesy, did you read Imperium number one? I did. What did you, th- I mean, to set the stage for people that didn't read it, it starts out. Or, I don't know, maybe I should just tell the ending first, but these groups of, like, telepathic... There's, like, a telepathic team in this Valiant universe set to do stuff. I don't know. It's like a bunch of Jean Greys on a team. But 90% of the issue is this vision that's been told to these these team members. So the issue starts out, this old guy, really, like, this, this Dalai Lama of the future, this telepath... And life is great. People are so he's revered and respected, and he's walking through the society. People are just you know, oh, thanks so much for everything you've done over your life. And the whole issue, like, what the f? Who is this guy? What is happening? What, what is this? The Valiant Universe? And he's going to Mars. This is like the next journey of his life. He's going to Mars to start a colony. And the next thing you know, it's it goes back to present day, and this little kid has been. The whole team has been shown a vision of the future that they're supposed to protect. And that was 90% of the issue. That was the future that they're working towards ensuring happens. Really strange. I never, I've never seen anything like that before, but the one thing I can say about it, it definitely hit home that what these characters went through because to them, they lived that life and got to that future. That's what they were trying to convey to the reader. That's what they feel like right now. They just live that 
and now they're back to present day doing their job, which I thought was crazy. Crazy for us. I'm year. glad that you said that because I had no idea what the F was going on yeah. towards the end of the book. But now that you said that, I kind of like it a little more than I did when and, I read it. I mean, I'll tell you re- what, I thought for a second there was going to be an XO meta war in there. Hmm. Just in the edge of my consciousness, I thought there was going to be an XO connection, but there was not. This felt like more of like a one-shot or annual than the first issue of a series. Like, like just really, like I said, ballsy way to start a series. I never would have. Like, the whole issue, I was like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. What is this? And then yeah. they reveal it at the end, and you're like, what the crazy stuff? It was, um, I didn't even read, I'm going to have to finish the end now. Because I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get to the good part. Yeah, the, the 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 guy is like about to go to Mars, and then they show this little kid in a jet seat, and the guy's like the the main guy that they were talking about was like, "Okay, team, we're ready to go out." the The strongest telepath that we know just sent the vision of the future to your brains, so this is what we're fighting for. And then they go out and fight. Wow, yeah. that's pretty amazing. That is. Yeah, I'm going to have to finish that now. Now that I have this uh, context, hmm. I might actually finish it. Not that it was bad. It was, a, it, but but you said it was balls. It was a ballsy first issue. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a, a whole lot of talking in it, and it was interesting. Yeah, it was interesting. What else? Anything? Read anything else? Oh, a rat god. I read it, Jonesy. I was I was entertained, but I wanted to understand a whole lot more than I did. I don't think we're going. I, think, I don't. You know what? This is one of those books I don't think we're meant to understand. Just feel. You know what I mean? The art was the art was so good. The artwork was so different. It, it's it's one of those kind of things where I don't I don't really have a comparison to make. But like when cartooning is especially good. I mean, it's it reminded me of all the best like magazine. Uh, like one panel comics, you know, where they, mm-hmm. they, they, what do you call that when you uh, make fun of politics? Uh, sat- satirical comics like that. It reminded me of all the best of that art in a single issue. It was, I mean, for that, for the art alone, it's worth the, mm-hmm. the price of the, of the book. But uh, it's one of those things where it's like that, uh, that, uh, what's, what's the graphic novel we, we all read, but I didn't like it was, um, Oh, Tale why can't of sand? I think of it? Tale of Sand. No, well, I love Tale of Sand. It was the one, the Jim Henson. Oh, the Dapperman. No, it wasn't Dapperman. No, it's the Jim Henson one where the guy is running Tale through the sand. desert. That was not Tale of Sand. I'm the telling Jim, you, it wasn't. There was another Jim, Jim Henson one. Jim Henson's Tale of Sand. <laughs> That's what it's called. That's I think you know title. what. I think you're right. I think it was Tale of Sand. I'm just going to acquiesce because I know I'm usually wrong. Uh, but it was it was like that where it was just like a running story where it's not meant to be solid and and taken literal and not to be mm-hmm. understood, but really just interpreted. Then you know it, you know it's going to win probably every Eisner Award uh, <laughs> on the planet. So get ready now. Get ready now. Get ready. Hang on to your butts <laughs> or whatever Slim says. Hold on to your butts. Hello, Blix. What about uh, Superman? Anybody read that last? Jock yeah. Jones, JR and yeah, yeah. What do you think about that new superpower? I kind of didn't mind it. it felt okay. logical. I thought JR's art finally 
fit the book, which is a strange thing to say. Can we spoil it for the because the host demands it? You, did I you? Still, did I you didn't read, read it, the press release. Okay. No, I didn't read it. He he's fighting like his parallel version from Earth, and he's able to like shoot out all the energy that the sun gives him in like a almost like a supernova. Hmm. Yeah, he has a detonation. Uh, yeah. Batman shows up at the end and basically explains to the reader as well as to Clark that in times of extreme stress, his he subconsciously detonates like he hmm. uh, uh, all Outwardly the from himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like the every really cell, cool. every cell in his body is basically a a solar power plant, and it all triggers at the same time, like uh, in one big a bomb scenario. And then he's left mortal for like a couple of days until yeah. He gets so he his, has no powers yeah. after that. The it was really strange too, Jonesy. But did you notice they they essentially retconned or put back the status quo for Superman? Like uh, Jimmy, yeah. In the New Fifty Two, he's like a billionaire. His family left him all this money, and, and this issue that's away. resolved. And then he Clark had his own blog. That he didn't work for the Daily Planet. Now at the end but of this, now he's, ba- he's back. He works for Daily Planet with Lois. They're partners. Mm-hmm. They get partnered up at the end. It's it's all pre fifty two. And then, which actually was a really cool moment, he reveals his secret identity to Jimmy at the end, and he reveals this kind of updated, streamlined costume. What if Jeff Johns was just like, "All right, give me Superman. You know, I know you guys need me. You need the sales or whatever." And he's just like, I'm going to effing write this thing right back to where I where I want it to be. I'm Jeff Johns, people. And what's interesting, he's not even staying on the book. They're having that um, American-born Chinese writer and artist, I think, start oh, yeah. writing it with J.R.J.R. JR. Ben? Yeah. Something? Something? That's cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jeff Johns, he's in and out. I mean, he's, uh, he's the fixer. Can you hear my heater right now? It's like exploding. Yeah, I thought it was a radio-controlled car being, being piloted. <laughs> I'm so bored I'm piloting a helicopter, an RC helicopter in my kitchen. <laughs> the one they sell you at the, in the uh, the mall to come up to you with the little controls. Mm-hmm. I was just going through the new release list to see what else I read. Oh, Jonesy, how about that cover by J.R.? J.R.? Did you look at the left side? It's almost like they told J.R. J.R. an hour before the published, like, uh, this is a gatefold two-page cover john could you uh make something happen here and he just drew like sketched floating heads of batman perry yeah. white and jimmy on the other side really odd that's looking funny. that's like somebody's uh commission it's actually a photocopy of a cocktail napkin also avengers 41 has the cover from ultimates number one and yeah that scammed. was a, that was a uh low blow because I, I bought a, that issue oh jonesy i'm sorry about that i was assaulted by I, trickery I was like, oh, this is going to be, am I getting Ultimate Cap? And I got a okay issue Cap. of Avengers that I guess I enjoyed. Well, what was it? Ultimate, what uh, they, Hickman's Avengers, how they're like yeah. merging with Ultimate Universe. Yeah. Like that storyline has Ultimate Read in it. But they use a cover oh, of Ultimates wow. number one to like signify. And, and there's like a banner stating like oh, God, in that's sick. six months, Secret Wars. And the Ultimates, the original Ultimates, are on the cover. That you know, the classic one where Ultimate Cap's holding up the shield, and oh, yeah. Thor's got his axe hammer. Spe- yeah. Speaking of which, Jonesy, and did you see Brian Hitch is doing JLA in this? Like, what? 
JLA, he's writing and drawing JLA once this conversion stuff ends. Are they releasing the issues like once every quarter? He, sa- he said he's been working on it for like a long time. Four years. He's got, uh, I think, two issues drawn already. He's like, can you launch something that kind of like reboots the universe <laughs> while I work on this book? And just just work with that for a while. And just I try don't... to get back to status quo while, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> while I write this. But he's got the whole he's got the this the A team on it. It's like Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, Cyborg, like and Green the Lantern. Fifty two lineup. So we'll will. see. I mean, I'm gonna read the heck out of that. Yeah, I'm gonna buy. I'm, I'll probably Pat Loig of that. And if for <laughs> those of you who don't know, I'll buy single issues, then the graphic novel, then the hardcover, then the digital, then the digital trade. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of rebuying to do for those issues. That's Never amazing, mean. though. Writing and drawing, Hitch. I mean. Hopefully he'll just write Ultimate Cap in those issues too, so I can enjoy that. Oh God, that is one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever heard. That he wrote and drew an Ultimate Captain America comic that will never be published, probably. Mm-mm-mm. Can I? Can someone kill my Desiree, please? So that was uh, Paper Cake episode 189, hosted by yours truly, at Dale Underscape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> total, total win. Well, uh, we're going to get that in post. Don't you worry, folks. Uh, for those watching live, you get to watch it. <laughs>